because we used to have the PTL Christmas party was like open bar. So he wasn't drinking. This guy's kind of boring, but he was low <laughs> level three. He was doing like what I yeah, want. What to do. That's actually the guy who I chose to work with um, cool. at my first clinic. And the other guy though, who was smashed like me, throwing beer bottles and like plants and stuff like that. Oh my god! That's the guy I still like get along really well with. But I didn't choose to work with him at that location. <laughs> so, but interestingly enough, I met like my wife that night, and then I think it was almost five years later, I guess. No, must have been four years later. So the word was is Daryl met Melissa at the Christmas party. Daryl was going to propose to Melissa at the Christmas party. <gasps> Did so, you? Well, well here's, the, here's the truth of what happened. Welcome to the Clinician Life Podcast. I'm Emma Jack, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daryl Yardley. And together, we're on a mission to help you elevate your practice to new heights. Join us each week as we bring you invaluable insights from some of the world's leading clinicians. From staying ahead of industry trends to crafting your dream career and life, we've got you covered. Get set to unlock your full potential. Here we go. I would love to hear sort of how even your physio, like what made you choose to go into physio in the first place? Like how did that journey start? Yeah, I think it was kind of similar to you because we were both at Mac. So I did my kin degree. So I knew right, right away I was going to the kin right from high school. Okay. Um, got into Mac. I actually only applied to Mac because my mom was like, you just need to go to school here. We don't really want yeah. you to be out. So that was sort of the, the part that worked for me to stay at Mac. But what yeah. was actually interesting, I had a really good anatomy prof. I don't was Marine? Um no. was she your prof then? Trying no. to think. She might have been actually on maternity leave um for your year because they she was it was her first year yeah. and she was brilliant and she taught us anatomy. And the second year then I started teaching anatomy. I was one of her TAs. Yeah. So that's sort of what got me really excited because we got to go to the cadaver lab more often. So then I stayed a little bit more involved in the whole like bones and muscles and nerves thing that we all really talk about is PTs is really what got me sort of really interested. Mm -hmm. And then I had Barry Bartlett was at Mac yes. at the time. He was the AT and Krista yeah. Madison. Yeah. And I got to work with them quite a bit because I did functional anatomy with Barry. Yeah. And I did sports. It's like a rite of passage yeah, for any Mackin student. <laughs> I still have this book. I still have <laughs> it is so tattered and worn. Yeah. And like I will still wake up being like, it inserts here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, and I still like I bought a different book that allowed me like to draw in it. And, yeah. Oh yeah. And and I still remember like being in physio school. And I was like, how do you know this stuff? I was like, because we were tested on it. Like you were not allowed to leave that functional anatomy course and not know where an attachment was. Yeah. Right? Or you failed. It was full on. It was full yeah. on. And then I had Christopher sports injuries. And then at that point I was like, hey, I'm going to physio school. Um, and so I applied that year, but I, it was kind of an interesting journey for me. So one of my buddies that I had met through volunteering as a kin. So my dad actually blew out his MCL years ago playing hockey and he happened to be going to a clinic around the house, around the corner from our house. And I volunteered. And that's actually, you'll know, um, Dave Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave was the manager of that clinic back in the day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So oh, Dave, my gosh. I yeah, love Dave, that. Yeah. So Dave hadn't gone into PT school yet. He was still like managing as a kid. Yeah. Dave got into PT school at Mac. 
and I was still at Mac for Kim. Okay. So interestingly enough, Dave is still involved. He's a brilliant guy. And he was such oh my a gosh. the with. absolute best. Dave, yeah, I hope like, you're listening. We love yeah, you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> um, and he still like chirps at me. He was like, this is not how you do your hockey rink. Daryl, get a corn burn. Like it was so funny. Like the days of like him teaching yes. me like what to do with patients. So that was sort of the introduction was Mac anatomy and then those two like great professors. And then Dave was actually very instrumental when I was volunteering as a kid. I had no idea. I yeah. love this. Yeah. Cool. So Dave and I go way back. And when we go off record, I'll tell you something else about Dave. But <laughs> there's a lot of off record so Dave stories. Sure. I just don't want to give it but the um but one of the physios that was there actually went to um Duville for for his PT program. Okay. And at the time the US was still a two-year program. So I didn't want to wait to get into PT school. So I actually applied. I actually was set to go to Duville to start physio school um, after my third year of Mac. Oh, okay. Um, but I had kind of flown down and we decided that if I stayed to finish my four-year program, because it was recommended to me to finish my four-year degree, um, you know, so what they did is Duville it. worked great with me. They were like, just take these courses. These would be your prereqs and you can start in July of, I guess, what, 2004. Okay. But then I got it. I got declined from Mac. No wait list at Mac. Not even, like not even a wait list. And my mom was devastated at it. She's like, huh, my baby has to yeah. leave. Right? <laughs> and I'm a mommy's boy. I was not. Look, you were not equally devastated. Yeah. 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 And I was sitting there, but I was like, I was teaching at Mac. I was able to extend like the, my TA role. So I was pumped. Okay. Right. So then I got declined and then U of T and Queens accepted me. And it was sort of this interesting world. Cause I was like, well, ma, you can at least take the go train. Cause my mom won't drive. Right. Home, right. So yeah. she's like, at least I can take the go train. But I also know my dad hates traffic. Like loses his shit like if there's <laughs> anybody around it I'm like oh my god we're moving downtown Toronto and he can't even right it. right so anyway so that's why I chose U of T over Queens um and that's sort of how the physio journey actually went so I actually ended up I did accept Duville declined yeah. it in the end as soon as I got into U of T and then U of T was a 2004 to 2006 and right Really, the two people that they were all actually great professors at U of T I had no real concerns at all. I learned a ton. Yeah. It was sort of Mike Landry and then Easton that kind of trajected me down the path that I chose for physio after I graduated. See, I I knew none of this. And so probably yeah. the listeners don't know this either. So cool. Yeah. And so leaving physio school, you went into private practice. Yeah. Yeah. So my my goal leaving PT school was to be Eason Young. Okay. I think also many people would agree yeah. with that statement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fun guy. We all loved him. And he was the same size as me. Not very many people were the same size as me, right? So that's where Eason and I got along really well. And <laughs> it was like what trajected the going down the fellowship and doing yeah. my manual therapy courses, et cetera. But the one thing that was actually really interesting because of my time with Dave Humphreys, I had learned all about funding and delivery of healthcare because we're, I was volunteering at an OHIP clinic, yeah. right? So publicly funded in Ontario. 
And what was really interesting though, is that's what Mike Landry was teaching us because Mike taught the business course at U of T. So we still had a theme that was business and practice management related. Um, And I was probably the only person, I think he'll uh, like confirm it, that actually had questions about the business side of physio Mm. when I was in physio school. Yeah. Right. Like, how does this work? What does it mean for me? Like, why do I have to learn this? How is this applicable? Um, but I was that like person that geeked out on the business and practice management side, which meant that private practice was the only place I was going to go. And one of my infamous stories in PT school of what not to do for some of the younger ones that will listen is that someone asked me in, in neuro, and I still remember her name was Charlene. I forget her last name. She was a great prof. <laughs> She said, how many of you know that you are not going into neuro? And automatically, my hand was like, whoa. <laughs> Couldn't get it up fast enough. Like, first and foremost, like, although Dina Brooks had tons of influence over my career, I was like, what the hell is cardio resp? And like, why am I taking this? Right. But Dina was like the best, most fun prof we had to like introduce us to cardio resp at, yeah. at UT. Um, so she smacked me around a little bit, but then boom, your next, I then have uh intro msk basically yeah and then it's neuro and i'm like yeah i'm not doing this shit <laughs> and they're like so i'm thinking like everyone in this like class was gonna put their hands right. up like neuro what's that nope just the only person just so the you. only one that's in mike landry's office hours <laughs> and the only one that was <laughs> dumb enough to put their hand up and they're like yeah this guy's gonna struggle <laughs> in this course and there's nothing that i do in outpatient msk that has no neuro like influence whatsoever. So it just showed right. like, didn't really know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> but was there, like, what do you think that business part, of, where do you think that business part of you came from? Like, was that an influence growing up? Um, mm-hmm. That business was interesting to you? Like, what do you think motivated you or drew you to that business side? Yeah, it's a good question. Like, so there's no like entrepreneurial like roots in our family that I'm aware of, right? That is close yeah. to the media family. I think, I actually think there was more influence of like Dave Humphreys and like, un, like, and I got to meet like, at the time it was still a single clinic. It wasn't when like PT Health hadn't formed at that time yet. Yeah. But I got to meet, you know, the guy that owned PT Health. So when I got to meet with Mark Cho, it was one of those things is like, you're going to go to physio school, but you know, we want you to, you know, come back and work with us as well. And then I just got to meet a lot of the physios that worked in the private sector. So I think for me yeah. is that I had influence early that I wanted to be back in the private sector. But one of the biggest challenges for me is that there was no focus in me going to the private sector, no matter which setting I was working in, that was going to be an expensive patient care. So I had to right. really think about my time as I went through physio school of learning all of those things. So I could figure out how do you take you know what I learned from a basic competency perspective and apply it and actually level up what happened in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also had a really bad hospital placement. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't help convince you no, <laughs> otherwise. Uh, it actually was a great placement as far as like what I was exposed to, but I had never been in an environment that was so toxic with like, mm. like we had this awesome group of physios, thankfully, like from our class in this placement. Yeah. We all hung out in like a closet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, are we not allowed to socialize with our instructors? Like, what the hell? And right. then what salvaged it though, when I went to Lynnhurst, it was the most welcoming environment. Mm. Culture is culture is everything. Yeah. You can like I, I think, 
you know, it could be a perfect job on paper, but if the culture's bad, it will be terrible. Um, and vice versa, it could be a job that maybe you don't love, but if the culture's amazing and you love showing up there every day and, and who yeah. you get to work with, like it totally changes things. Yeah. And I think placements are very influential. Mm -hmm. Like oh, it can really affect the trajectory of where you want to take your career. Yeah. And I think too, is even though I probably won't remember everybody's last names, but I still remember like the, like my instructor at Lynnhurst that totally changed like my viewpoint on like that system. Mm -hmm. Right. And I even like neuro after that place. <laughs> so like, and her name Converted is you. yeah. So Bonnie had it. Like, same thing too, is like, figure this out, Daryl. Right. But, but what was actually really interesting though. And I think too, is lots of people have like, you know, they complain about the placement for all intents and purposes, but our group that was at that internship that we all did not like, we're still friends today. Like it was almost like this bonding moment of like being like, I can't believe these people treat me like this. And interestingly enough, right. three of those, three of the four of us that are there are all in leadership positions now. Mm. And one in specific, like specifically, it's just a matter of time until she's a VP at some senior level. Wow. Right. And it's huh. just she's like, we will never do this, Carol. Like, yeah. Yes. You know what? And in, in some ways, like I know for myself, my worst placement taught me way more than mm -hmm. like neutral or good ones because it, it helped bring clarity as to like, the, well, I definitely don't want this. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes knowing what you don't want helps you yeah. figure out where you would thrive and what would feel really good. So yeah. how, if we take from, you know, being in physio school and being on these placements, to where you sit today and the work you do now fill in the in-between and I know that's yeah. like not a short task no, 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 but... no. So, <laughs> so I think yeah to sort of fast forward where that would go so I think you know a lot of people asked you about you know the level system and your fellowship like would you do it again and 100% you and I chat about this I would do it all over yeah. again because one it taught me a whole bunch of stuff but but again, it just exposed me to a large network of people that were yeah. like-minded, um, but were often seeking for and trying to identify the best in everybody. So, and I think that's what attracted me to do a lot of my training in London afterwards, because Western was never even on my radar to go to PT school because I didn't do yeah. English. Right? So remember, there was an English credit. Like, yeah. I'll just I, go. I, you know what? I think I took uh, at McMaster a course called short children's short stories for mm. my English credit so that I could apply to Western. Yeah, smart. I learned about <laughs> so I could get into UFD. Gemstones <laughs> is also a very popular course. Yeah. 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 And it was one of those things where I was like, I can't believe I'm learning about this. And then lo and behold, like Mel's sisters basically has a PhD in forestry. And I'm like, I should probably know this stuff that she's talking about. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. No one, English credit. <laughs> yeah, no English credit. So then ended up doing because I knew after I finished physio school, I was like, okay, my goal was to I had a job already, which was which was great. And my goal was to just finish the level system to get the fellowship as fast as possible. Because everyone was like, it took okay. five years. I was like, no, yeah. I'm doing this faster. You're like, watch uh, me. Yeah. So I was like, level two, what was the first? like level two course that was available. So it was in London and in Hamilton, hour and a half versus an hour to Toronto. It's no big deal. So I met Kathy O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, 
And Kathy was amazing. I was like, oh my goodness, like this lady not only is like an excellent professor, she's just such a good teacher, mm. right? So it was her and Jackie Sadie. So Jackie and her split that level two upper. Yeah. Um, so finished that. And it was such a great experience. Then went to the U- Toronto for a course. Yeah. There was nothing bad about the instructors. It was just way too busy. There's people yeah. everywhere. Like, I basically was like one-on-one with Kathy. I was with right. Tom Swales, um, a whole bunch of like Western grads that we just yeah. became friends with. And Tom and I have been friends ever since that level two course. We certainly had our battles in between there, but like now it's <laughs> amazing how much we collaborate and work together. Um, but then I came back to London because I had just such a good experience in Bev and Jackie, Bev Padfield and Jackie, yeah. level three upper. So then that's when the master's was just released. So the master's okay. of clinical science had yeah. just finished its first year and I was ready to apply because I finished my level two. Yeah. And I remember Bev sitting down with me and she's like, you actually are borderline because you don't yet have enough clinical experience. To mm. get. Yeah. And I just looked Bev straight in the eye. She's like my size. And I was like, Bev, <laughs> I could be taught by you and Jackie properly, or I could get a whole bunch of really bad habits your call and she let me in the program so <laughs> just that, talking your way through yeah, yeah I was love like, it you know, love it yeah. so then Bev and Jackie let me in that was like such a good year I met tons of like great colleagues across like the country yeah. which was fun so cool. and we certainly had all that heat like can you do the level system that quickly like what else did we do Emma, when you and I were there like we were in these intensives and oh we my gosh because what else did we freaking do? Ju- you're in it. You are, yeah. when you were in that program, you were in it. And I, I think, you know, it's the, I liken it to the, uh, you know, when people learn a different language, yeah. you know, learning on Duolingo and doing that, you know, every day mm-hmm. versus going to Spain. Yeah. Right. And just immersing yourself in it and living and breathing it for a while. It's mm-hmm. just, it, you can't compare, you can get to the same place, but it's just a different way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that was sort of the level piece. So then obviously at the end of that master's clinical science year and lots of difficult conversations, I think Bev had to prepare herself with me to be like, you clearly didn't study enough. You're working too much. Like you cannot run this clinic. (laughs) You're supposed to be working part-time, get your shit together. And then they, both of them did give me the pass at the end. So I finished that course. And then (laughs) it kind of was interesting because my goal was to finish the level system in three years and the master's of clinical science, I was able to finish in 2009. So wow. that was kind of the fun intensive year, but this yeah. is the part that kind of happened inside of that. So when I started PT school, or sorry, when I graduated PT school, I had started working with PT health. And as that organization was growing, because when I started, I think there was 27 locations by the time we kind of finalized everything it was 130. Yeah. Um, but I remember as I was starting to gain more sort of, I guess, roles and, and responsibility, one of the things was to, you know, mentor and train and people started to get a better sense of who I was across the the whole network of clinics. But I remember, so I had met my wife um, at a PTL Christmas party. So she actually oh was a receptionist in 2006 oh my gosh. in the summer between school. And I had been invited back to the Christmas party to be like, this is the guy we're going to hire. And the gentleman that I chose to work with afterwards was doing his level three exam that night. Yeah. 
he wasn't drinking because we used to have the PTL Christmas party was like open bar. So he wasn't drinking. This guy's kind of boring, but he was low level three. He was doing like what I yeah, want. What you want. That's actually the guy who I chose to work with um, cool. at my first clinic. And the other guy though, who was smashed like me throwing beer bottles and like plants and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. That's the guy I still like get along really well with, but I didn't choose to work with him at that location. So <laughs> But interestingly enough, I met like my wife that night. And then I think it was almost five years later, I guess. No, must've been four years later. So the word was, is Daryl met Melissa at the Christmas party. Daryl was going to propose to Melissa at the Christmas party. <gasps> Did so, you? Well, well here's, the, here's the truth of what happened. So the intent okay. was, <laughs> I was going to do it beforehand. And then okay. my, like the owner of the company called me. He's like, come on. We have like, we have a bunch of clinic owners coming in from Alberta. We need to buy, we want to buy their like nine locations, maybe 12 at the time. We need to show them this is a family. So it kind of goes back to culture, right? Like we need to yeah. show you it's not all about the business. We have a good time. So here's me and I'm like, I drank the Kool-Aid. So I'm like, yeah. For the business. <laughs> yeah, drank the Kool-Aid. So I literally up there and we're doing like this intro because I think we hired 12 new grads this year. So I get up there to be like, Welcome to the team. And all of a sudden, then I proposed to my wife, which you probably can no. still Yeah, yeah. You can still find I, I am dead. Yeah. This. So, okay. I got to say, hopping on this conversation, I was not prepared for this. So That is so happened. good. That is gold. So, yeah. So, it was like a huge, like, so I was nervous as shit. You can imagine. Oh, like, yes. Need- my, yeah. and Mel's not. She was really, like, what's wrong with you? Why are you yeah, being like this? She doesn't really love the limelight. There's 500 people at this Christmas party. Right? Oh my and God. the team though is there from Calgary that we we're going to buy their clinics. Yeah. And we were going to acquire those locations and they're all watching me do this. So <laughs> she by, she still swears to this day. Like I had to say, yes, I had no choice. Like I wasn't going to let you go down in front of everybody. And then after like done, she said yes. It was kind of a cool thing, but what's but what's even like more influential in my career after that is that the clinics that we did acquire at the time, the lady that was CEO of those locations was the chair of the private practice division. Oh, oh my she gosh, Daryl, you should take over the chair of the private practice division. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like how. What's the commitment to that? Wendy said to me, she's like, oh, it's like three meetings a year. And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> that's what okay. everybody says who's trying to unload their yeah. major that's what I said volunteer position. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but here's, here's sort of the part that changed for me is that initially I just wanted to teach in the level system. I had already started. Okay. I think I even, you know, I didn't really love how long it was going to take. Yeah. And then I did a level four, but then I realized I'm like, there's so many good people already mentoring here mm-hmm. that you don't need another individual. And then at that time, I realized that when Wendy had approached me, I didn't really have the strength in the private sector. I didn't really know enough about running clinics or you know what gaps people had, what their needs were. Yeah. So I kind of looked at it to say I could kind of stay on the level system side or I could take over chair of the private practice division. Yeah. Ego-wise, it probably seemed to have a bit more clout. So I took that route. Yeah. Wendy said she was going to mentor me, but I think she was just desperate to get rid of it. But over the years, she's sort of mentored me quite a lot. We'll, we'll have to ask Karim about his level of support in transition as well. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to come on here for sure. Um, 
But I think that was the interesting part, but that that world collided with Jackie and Bev teaching me in the levels, or sorry, in the Masters of Clinical Science. So okay. there was a point where Western then needed somebody to take over and revamp the business course. So when I was chair of private practice and finishing up with Jackie and building that relationship, Jackie said, there's a course that I think you should apply for. And then I ended up working with Deb and Lucy to revamp the course. That's where Jim yeah. Lard and I became a lot more sort of collaborative because I was like, Jim, I need you to help me teach this course because <laughs> Melissa is pregnant with her second kid and she's not happy about this at the moment, <laughs> but she wants me to do it, but I need you to be there 50, 50. Yeah. With me. So, Amazing. but that's what started that journey for me okay. on the business side was actually the Kool-Aid that I drank at PT Health yeah. was influential for me to actually meet Wendy Coombs, who was the chair of the private practice at the time. That's what got me into private practice. And like on the, on more about the teaching and the, you know, the support side of that, Jackie spearheaded me to get into Western. Um, And I realized teaching at Western, there was so many gaps to take this program that's faculty trained so well, but it still doesn't prepare us well enough to enter private sector. So we have these great competencies. So what I realized after I started teaching that program is how much more I just wanted to do. But obviously, you still have to balance it with the rest of the curriculum. Right. Um, and that's where we sort of decided that the expansion of Clinic Accelerator, Mentorship Bootcamp all came from, which was to support clinicians in that transition on the business yeah. and practice management side as they transition into practice. Because um, transitioning into practice is tough no matter which sector you go into. But I think there's all this onus that's brought forward that it's about business. And so is the public sector. They're both business. One you have influence directly over, right? Because it's very transactional in perception. Whereas the other one, though, which we kind of pretend doesn't really exist in the business world, is why we see so much attrition of PT. Because people don't know how the business works in the public sector. Hmm. So that's actually long drawn out quickly getting to the point of no clinic ownership and clinic coaching and private practice coaching yeah what I think is like so interesting and I I can definitely look back on on my journey in the profession and and say the same but it's like you just had these it's like you know meeting Bev and Jackie and meeting Wendy and meeting Mm -hmm. Dave like it's almost like these connections that you made along mm-hmm. the way created some of these, like helped to create some of these pivots. Like you didn't graduate PT school and say, I, you know, want to teach at Western in business. That was not the like yeah. end goal, but like you just use the information and the connections that you had and that helped direct you. Like I think so much of our career trajectory is who we meet along the way. Yeah. And I think the part two is always looking for that person who's smarter than you, right? Yeah. And that sort of mindset of the, you know, just don't be the smartest person in the room. Even though it feels good is there's no, yes. <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. So I think that without a doubt, and I think it always kind of goes back to people always ask me like, you know, do you ever regret joining, you know, PTL early on? I was like, no chance. Like it was still, you know, is it what I do now? You know, am I going to join force right. with blah, blah, No. Um, but do I regret any of that path and those opportunities that it gave me early on in my career? No, not at all. Um, 
Because if I if I didn't meet Dave and I didn't meet Mark early on as a volunteer, were they early like, well, yeah, let's let this kid in. Who knows right. what my career would have looked like. But the one thing that I do think too, from a PT perspective, that was such a huge help is that, you know, I sure as most individuals that get into healthcare, there's always that teaching thought process in your mind, right? Yeah. I knew as a physio, like I could be clinical, I could be, I could teach, I could do research, I could develop a product if I wanted to, right? I could be entrepreneurial, right? But I also had this huge trajectory. I could go down the pathway of leadership and be a CEO at a hospital if I wanted to, right? So I think that's the coolest part about just the ability, like you're such a chameleon as a, as a PT or as a Cairo, right? Like there's so many opportunities. It just depends on, do you have that networking willingness? Yeah. And, and if you're introverted, because clearly I'm not, um, it's okay <laughs> trying to figure out how do you leverage people that you've established a relationship with to kind of introduce you to some decision makers or some people who are influential that can carve a pathway for you, right? But that's yeah. the whole benefit around finding that support system. Um, and it can be done. It doesn't have to be, you know, whoever's the loudest at, you know, for me at the OPA, the right. physio association dance party. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm not. A yeah. <laughs> and, but I think that's interesting to me because I hear from so many clinicians, um, who feel like they, their only option is to like work in private practice or work in hospital, but it sounds like you had such an awareness that like the opportunities in the profession were endless and you had multiple avenues that you could go down. Was there somebody who opened your eyes up to that? Is something, is that something you like always saw? Because I think so many people think that being a PT means you are treating one-on-one in a clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how you're spending your time. Yeah. I think it's, I think the interesting thing too, is that it probably came early on. Cause you know, Mark Cho, who was the CEO and the founder and president of PT health sat me down multiple times. Right. Cause I was, you know, not going to beat around the bush. Like I remember having conversations with Mark and be like, <laughs> you pay me 30 bucks an hour, Mark. And I see this many patients with an assistant and yeah. I'm already on my level three. And Mark's like, what's level three? Like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Basically, like, that's cool. Okay. And, you know, it's your path. But I remember yeah. saying too, is like, we have all these opportunities for you, but you need to be patient, right? Like, I need you to yeah. get really good at your craft first, what resources and supports you need. But in order for us to create an infrastructure for you, because he knew early that I had more of this like entrepreneur mindset, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't, I was very risk adverse, right? But in order to do that, you need to be mentored, which comes at a cost. I'm not going to charge you for it, but I'm not going to pay you 50 bucks an hour. Yeah. And then, you know, mentor you at the same time. So if you want to be mentored, then I will help you get there. And it was crazy to the point, like at one point, Mark had me in a meeting where we were thinking about doing a live show that would have mimicked like typically like kitchen nightmares. Like it was that crazy. Like we had these and I was like, okay, this individual has the ability pathways for me that okay you know he's not going to make me a millionaire by seeing patients but he yeah. was certainly directing me on opportunities that he would say it's it's yours to either accept or it's yours to decline but if you decline I want you to find the next person who can champion that project so he was teaching me without so me cool. really knowing how yeah. to start to promote within and find those people and make them better than you because that was his one biggest skill 
he always gave people an opportunity. Could some people could say too is that, you know, I remember at times being like, How did you give this person a chance? He's like, I could be right and I could be wrong, but I'm always gonna give somebody a chance. And interestingly enough, some people did some amazing things, but that was his leadership yeah. style. It's like when you open up for like silly idea time. Mm-hmm. Like there's some great ideas and there's some absolutely terrible ones, but like at least you got the great ideas from it. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, I give ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. What are you most excited about right now? Yeah, I think I think here's and I think there's this part you you kind of flagged me on this before, right? Is like, you know, what is like this whole focus of you on business and you know, and yeah. a lot of people don't quite understand, but one of the things that I want us to be able to kind of, you know, get through to people as we go through our podcasts is you know, having a bit of a different perspective and viewpoint, get some good fun banter going back and forth. But, but really for me, and I think one of the reasons why I kind of got into the, you know, the opportunities that I did on the business side is because for me, I had this ability early on to get challenged by people telling me what I should be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, this is how you should practice. If you see this type of patient, that one should go to your system. You see this type of patient, well, you should treat that patient. But at the time I was like hard into the level system right? Learning my fellowship, learning how to do all this manual therapy stuff. And I'm like, how do I practice this and have an assistant? So that was me revamping that with my boss at the time. We totally changed how we use that model. But on the flip side of that, I was not interested in in treating based on funder. So for me, it was about learning how do you drive value to patients regardless of funder and still run a highly successful practice that would have any volume of patients from word of mouth to physician engagement, whatever it actually was. Um, but it could never be the expense of patient care. So that's sort of where we started to change things a little bit from just being about business and healthcare to really about, you know, business and practice management. Whereas even for us now, I think if you really focused on practice management and leadership, your business solves itself. Takes care of itself. Yeah. Exactly. And I think this is one of the things too, like the other kind of influential person in the career for me that I haven't mentioned yet was Jackie Schleifer Taylor, who's the CEO of mm. Health Sciences now, yeah. asked me to teach the universe, like teach the business course with her at um U of T, because she took it over from Mike when Mike had transitioned to the US. And I was scared shitless of Jackie. Like, this lady was like <laughs> powerhouse. Yeah. And there was no bullshit, but yeah. the coolest part was, is Jackie was new. She was brilliant as far as like leadership and understand the public system, which I knew jack shit about. Right. And I was struggling because I'm like, well, how do I, how can I mentor people if I don't really understand that boat, like that system as well. Yeah. But I came in on more of the practice, like the private practice side. And then you started to realize this opportunity and Jackie through much convincing and words of encouragement and disappointment at times said, you need to take this job at the hospital. And it's a leadership position. It was a one-year sort of contract. And it totally changed my viewpoint on Mm. business practice management too, because I realized that there's like this avoidance of understanding business in healthcare, which literally I watched physio departments in the hospital and the public system just get blown apart through attrition no funding. And then when I got, when I got there, it was mind boggling to me that you have these talented people that have no voice 
at a high yeah. level table. That's why when you see what Jackie's done over the oh, years, it's incredible. Right. Yeah. But I also look at it too on sort of what we've done on the training side is to realize that people really need to understand that, you know, financial statements and how money flows in and out of practices or sectors is so critical for you to be able to do what you want to do to best serve those people you serve in front of you. So it sort of was like what I took when I was really early on in my career of like just learning about how to treat funders the same, not differently, to the same point though of now looking at different sectors of trying to teach people that you really have to understand how money flows in order for you to do what you want from a true output perspective, both in professional practice, but then also to afford yourself the opportunity to do what you want to do in your personal life as well, which is why I think for us to combine together, that's what I'm most excited about is to really figure out what is that sweet spot for people from that true work-life integration and really teaching people that you don't have to just follow what everybody else did. You got to figure out what lights you up on your own and where do you want that to go? Um, that's the part that I'm excited for people to sort of challenge us with too. And when we bring people on, I want them to challenge you and I from our perspectives. We want to challenge them too. Um, so people really get something to take away from every single episode that they listen to. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting to learn more about your journey because I think it's another great example of like, it's, it's not a linear path and Mm -hmm. you do have to try things and like, Mm -hmm everything gives so much value and purpose looking back. Like you maybe didn't realize mm-hmm. at the time taking that one year sort of contract position, the value yeah. that it would, or the insights it would give you now in the work mm-hmm. that you're doing, but um, yeah. it can be really helpful to dabble and try different things and yeah. and stretch yourself that way because I think mm-hmm. it, it leads to a cool place. Yeah. And I think it's what's interesting to you is it kind of, we won't go into imposter syndrome today, but I'll be honest, like I didn't really have issues with imposter syndrome early in my career. But when I took that contract position, which would have been 10 years into my career, yeah. it was at its peak. Like I was like, mm. what am I doing here? Right. It was no longer my identity, right? My identity yeah. was private sector. I yeah. knew how to run a clinic. I knew how to tree patients like I can manage multiple locations I just came from managing 15 yeah um and growing the revenue of that which was then recently sold um to like managing a staff of 70 in an environment that I knew nothing about never treated in the hospital after that shitty placement I was like I'm never gonna do this. <laughs> realizing that there is so much opportunity um mm-hmm. But then same thing too is like how do you create engagement how do you build a team how do you take really really bad negative culture and even just improve it by 10% was huge right and then the same thing too in that position was I knew I was going to transition out because that's when we started clinic accelerator and boot camp but I was trying to find the right person who was better than me to take it over mm-hmm. and that's where I met Don Bat, stole him yeah. from CDI uh, <laughs> one of the best best guys that I could ever have taken over that because leadership skills were incredible and his ability to understand healthcare and, and business and practice management. He was just finishing his MBA yeah. at the time too. He did go back to CBI, which at this stage, he'll know I'm still trying to bring him back to me at some point. <laughs> but um, but it was that part that I think I if I didn't go into those sectors, if I didn't have the mentors that I had early in my career, I would never have thought to always be thinking about how do you replace you to with somebody better than you, better. ongoing and yeah. coaching them to be better than you. 
that's to me is what I want people to get from this, um, our podcast too, but even still too, is maybe you're sort of young in your career, but how do you find that person that's going to help you mm-hmm. and coach you to continue to level up your career? So it can, you can help find some of the own, your own opportunities in case maybe they don't really fall into your lap, right? Cause sometimes yeah. some will fall and they'll be right in front of you, but other times you have to kind of date a little bit and you yeah. want to find the people to help you there. Yeah, I think that's so important. I don't think either of us would be sitting here today without oh, some no. of those very people that you've mentioned on no. the podcast today. Yeah. Um, and and knowing, like, I I love to know that both you and I, I can say this with absolute certainty, have also been that person for other people. And mm-hmm. I think that's something so beautiful about this profession is the pay it forwardness. um of of the profession and really helping helping people along the way Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and and so cool just to see where it takes us all yeah oh for sure and I think the the part that I think will hopefully come through to everybody too is sort of the sincerity around it because I think there's a lot of people that you kind of look and you're like well what's really your motive for doing this Mm. Right. As opposed to like, there really isn't a motive for you and I, it's more along the lines. We're trying to share what we know and bring people on that we've had exposure to, to kind of expose others to it. But it is tricky because social media, that kind of creates lots of suspicion for people, right? Like what, what's the premise behind it? So hopefully people (laughs) can see the sincerity of what you and I are trying to do. Um, And hopefully they continue to follow along, but I want the, I want them to challenge us too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, even just hearing from some clinicians who have listened already and that I know will bring on and, and hear their experience. Like I, I think it is important to be exposed to a lot of people to find your people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but, but to not limit yourself to different perspectives and messages and, Mm um, yeah, so good. And like, I just have to say, I feel like I'm I'm still thinking about the proposal at the PT Health Christmas party. <laughs> no. I cannot believe I did not know I didn't know that you met her at PT Health. Yeah. And my gosh, I am obsessed with the proposal mm-hmm. story. So it's yeah. so, 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 so you, good. You, I, <laughs> so I can't good. send you links. I don't even know where it is anymore, but it's a terrible recording that that one of like one of the the founders' wives took like it's enough to yeah. get, but you can search it. It's on YouTube. Um, oh no way! Okay, the, guys, we'll one, drop the link in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, the one thing that you do have to do is I because when Mel will come on, I want you to ask her. In a different circumstance, would you have still said yes? <laughs> see what she says. But um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. Oh I'll see if we can find the. I'll actually if you find the link, you can definitely put it in the show notes. But if you don't. Okay find the link then it it won't exist so then we'll, it won't we'll, be there like yeah, the accountability is totally on emma that's fair okay yeah. guys i'm gonna go do some digging i yeah. hope to be successful <laughs> well good best of luck i know it's there i just can't remember all like the the um, kind of the, the the keywords that you need to put in there okay i'm the gonna get digging i'm gonna get digging awesome okay. good stuff all right so next week we're yeah. back and we're back. Uh, thanks for the interview emma 
Oh, this was so fun. I feel yeah. like I know you so much better now. I thought yeah. I knew you before. I, I had no like idea. I feel like we almost need to do a follow between your session from last week and mine from this week and like Q&A for people to be like, hey, we have these questions that we yes. want you guys to answer. <laughs> so people will circle back. Maybe we'll open that big yeah. in January. Yeah. We can totally do that. We can totally awesome. do that. Awesome. All right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Have a great week. All right. You too. Ciao. Bye. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning into today's episode and joining us on this journey to get smarter in business and life by learning from the top clinicians in the world. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram at Daryl Yardley and be sure to follow my co-host Emma at Press Play Physio to stay connected. And also visit us at clinicianlife.com for more resources, articles, and opportunities to participate in the show. We'd love to have you on to share your expertise and insights with our growing audience. Can't wait to see you next week.